This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. Our guy's special episode because we have special breaking news. Judge Amy Coney Barrett is now Justice Amy Coney Barrett of the United States Supreme Court. So this is big news. Uh, She was confirmed tonight by a 52 to 48 vote inside the United States Senate. Justice Clarence Thomas just swore her in a couple of hours ago in front of Donald Trump and a crowd outside of the White House. Um, And it was while I was getting my notes together for this. And guys, I've been thinking about this for a while because I I knew that this was going to be big news. Um, I I knew that this was going to be important for conservatives that this day would come again before Kavanaugh was even elected or nominated for the Supreme Court of the United States by Donald Trump. I was hoping it would be Judge Amy Coney Barrett. So I'm glad she is now officially a member. Uh, This now gives Republicans six SCOTUS picks, technically, because six Republican presidents have, um, six of the nine have come from Republican presidents, whereas the other three came from Democratic presidents. So this is big news. I mean, there haven't been that many people. I think it's just over 100 people have been Supreme Court justices of the United States before. So this is obviously big news, but this has large ramifications for a lot of us, right? And for a lot of people that actually listen to this podcast and are of the ilk that kind of come from a worldview that we like to espouse and to defend. And we'll get into that. But I guess the biggest news leading up to this evening and the festivities that was the vote and then her speech and everything was that there wasn't really that much news. I mean, just think about what happened after the nomination of Kavanaugh versus Amy Coney Barrett. I mean, absolutely stunning. So uh, again, especially with, you know, this being Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat, or at least that's what Democrats were thinking it was, even though it's just an open seat. This is Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat. It's such a, a symbolic seat for a lot of people. I was thinking that they were going to pull out all the stops. I was thinking that they were going to try to burn the Senate to the ground to stop the vote. Just something like that was going to happen. And there was relatively quiet, right? There were some things that we'll go over here in a second about some of the the noise that was being made by Democrats. But, you know, they weren't accusing ACB of being a gang rapist. They weren't accusing her of any of these horrific things. It's like, ah, look at her with all her kids and education and whatever. Like it was just they were really grasping at straws for a lot of things. but. That was kind of the big news. And, and I guess the main point as to why there wasn't that much news is because she's supremely qualified. I mean, any way you slice it, she is supremely qualified. When you saw what she was doing there at these hearings, again, the biggest mic drop moment of her confirmation hearings was when I believe it was a senator from Texas, not Ted Cruz. Uh, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I can't think of his name right off the top of my head, but he was looking at her and she's answering all these questions for hours and hours. Guys, we're talking like seven, eight hours a day was what these hearings uh, in terms of what she needed to be up and ready for. And the, the Senator remarked that, Hey, we've got all these binders in front of us. We've got all these things that we're referring to, to ask you your questions and, and your follow-up questions. Um, would you mind showing us what it is that you're looking at as you're answering our questions? And she held up a blank notepad, right? And the guy's like, wait, wait, does it say anything on the notepad? And she just kind of like tongue in cheek said, yeah, it says United States Senate across the top. She's supremely qualified. She understands what, what she, what her philosophy is. She understands jurisprudence. She understands textualism and originalism and and those types of things. She's not someone that has to look up her philosophy when something comes up because she has this philosophical underpinning and, and things that are undergirding her points of view on a lot of different issues. So again, I'm, I'm incredibly excited that, uh, Amy Coney Barrett is now a justice, of the United States Supreme court. That is very exciting, but we do need to kind of talk about why this is important. But before we can talk about why this is so important, we really need to talk about what the biggest arguments against ACB were. 
right? Because you knew Democrats were going to try to, even if something wasn't there, they were going to try to make something there. And so I want to go over some of the main arguments and, and most of them were pretty silly, but one of the big arguments at the beginning was that there was no precedent, right? For the Senate confirming a Supreme Court justice during a general election year. Like these hearings are a sham. This shouldn't be happening. But guys, let's just be real. 19 times previously, a Supreme Court uh, spot became vacant in an election year and both the presidency and the Senate were controlled by the same party. And of those 19 times, 17 judicial confirmations came. So almost 100% of the time, if there is a vacancy in an election year and the Senate and the presidency are from the same party, they're confirmed. So there was absolutely precedent for it. Do not let the mainstream media tell you otherwise because they're lying to you. The next biggest argument that they were making about her or against ACB was that there is no precedent for confirming a Supreme Court justice this quickly, right? This is tyranny. You know, Trump's trying to force her through because he's trying to work some nefarious thing about the election or whatever. But actually, because we we know the time periods now, I think there were three people total that were confirmed faster than Amy Coney Barrett. And I believe Ruth Bader Ginsburg was confirmed for 42 days after her nomination by Bill Clinton, which I think is similar to Amy Coney Barrett's timeline. It might be just a day or two different. But Sandra Day O'Connor was nominated and confirmed in 33 days. And John Paul Stevens back in the 70s was confirmed in 19 days. Right. So people thinking that this is tyrannical, that she would be forced through this quickly. There's just no legs for them to stand on because it's happened other times. Another big thing they were doing against Amy Coney Barrett was that this was the real court packing, which doesn't really have anything to do with Amy Coney Barrett. Yes, she's conservative. Yes, she's coming from a Republican president. But this is the real court packing. Don't pay attention to that guy, Joe Biden over there, that doddering old fool. You don't need to pay attention to him whenever he's asked a question directly about whether or not he's going to pack the Supreme Court. This is the real court packing. They're packing the Supreme Court with people that we don't like. Again, that was that was not really anything to do with Amy Coney Barrett. That was more to do with Trump, which again, most of these lines of questioning or lines of debate are coming because they hate Trump. And then beyond that, they hate, you know, religious people, they hate conservatives, they hate Republicans, they hate white people, whatever the situation is. But ultimately, they're, they're coming for their hatred of Trump and the fact that everything is so emotionally charged right now because we're close to an election, right? Which flows into the next thing here is another reason why they were against ACB. And one of the reasons that the arguments they were making is that that she would potentially allow her religious faith to affect the decisions that she makes, Right which depending upon your religious face, you would probably want that. Again, I go back to a time during the Republican, uh, general, not the general election, but the Republican nomination nomination for president back in 2016. I was supporting Senator Rubio at the time and Senator Rubio was at this town hall type thing. And this guy got up and he said, you know, hey, Rubio, you're, you're a Christian and I'm an atheist. And, you know, what would you say to someone like me who doesn't share the same beliefs as you do? Because I'm scared about the things that you're going to do to this country because of your religious belief. And Rubio just very matter of factly said, you better hope that I govern as a Christian. Because if I govern as a Christian, that means that everybody is valuable. Every individual person, regardless of their background, but regardless of what their beliefs, you better hope that I operate that way. So I don't know why that would be something that would take out someone from consideration for a Supreme Court nomination or from a Supreme Court seat. But, you know, really, they, they just hate those types of people. Even the ranking Senate Judiciary member, Dianne Feinstein of California, she was caught on a hot mic saying this in reference to Amy Coney Barrett's pro-life stance, quote, I suspect with her it is deeply personal and comes with her religion, unquote. Now. To be fair, that would seem fairly innocuous, except for 
her comments previously towards ACB at a, at her hearing for the appeals court confirmation in 2017, where she said the dogma lives loudly within you. She said that right to her face, right in front of everybody. Great. It was great for her bumper stickers and great for her local campaigning, but it kind of gave us an idea of the animus that she held towards people of faith, specifically ACB's faith. The next argument you've heard against Amy Coney Barrett is that she's going to steal your health insurance, right? She's going to be the dividing, deciding vote that takes away the Affordable Care Act, otherwise known as Obamacare. But the reality here, this one's kind of easy to dispel. There's no legislation anywhere right now that would take the legs out from underneath the horrific Obamacare decision and the Obamacare that is available in the United States. So, you know, it's good for ads, though. It's good for political ads. You know, Donald Trump's going to ram this Supreme Court justice through so that they can steal your health insurance in the middle of a pandemic. You know, it's really dramatic, but it doesn't really have any grounding in anything. The next thing, and this is what was probably the most important to a lot of people, is that she's just not woke. It's not that she's not woke enough. It's that she's not woke at all. And this this couldn't have been more on full display than with this faux outrage over the fact that she used the phrase sexual preference. So Amy Coney Barrett was talking about LGBTQ, you know, IAA, TTYL plus people. And she was saying uh, she used the phrase sexual preference in reference to people that have a different than normal sexual preference, right? So you've heard sexual preference before because that's common vernacular. When you talk about somebody that's gay or bisexual or lesbian or something like that, like that's their sexual preference. I mean, you can put yourself in that category. Like I am heterosexual, so I prefer women. It's a sexual preference. But Senator Maisie Hirono of Hawaii, which guys, wow, this woman. Anyway, she made a huge deal out of this, right? And this is her exact quote. It's astounding. It's almost as astounding as the fact that there was some sort of like way left wing blue check mark person on Twitter that basically said this exact thing in a tweet a few hours before Maisie Hirono on the Senate floor for the confirmation hearings got out there and was trotting this nonsense out. It was on the Senate floor, but it was there at the Capitol. She said this, let me make clear. Sexual preference is an offensive and outdated term. It is used by the anti-LGBTQ activists to suggest that sexual orientation is a choice. It is not. Sexual orientation is a key part of a person's identity. So if it is your view that sexual orientation is merely a preference, as you noted, then the LGBTQ community should be rightly concerned whether you will uphold their constitutional right to marry. Unquote. Guys, this was nonsense. This was crazy. And the only thing I really didn't like from the hearings is that ACB automatically came out with an apology. Oh, I didn't mean to offend anybody. No, 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 no. When people are changing what, what words mean while you're using them, you don't owe them apology for a damn thing. Not at all. Because if we're all in agreement as to what things mean and whether things are offensive or not, and in the middle of that game, you change your opinion, I'm sorry, I owe you nothing. But the interesting thing, well, it's way more scary than it is interesting, is before the sun went down that night, before the sun went down that night, Merriam-Webster's dictionary actually changed the definition of the word preference, declaring that it is offensive. I think it was five lines down, one of the acceptable definitions, literally, like almost instantaneously, when you use it as sexual preference, it is offensive. That is a declarative statement from Webster's dictionary. And this is not a podcast about what it means when we can't agree on terms and what it means whenever words are being changed and meanings are being changed and truth is being altered, but that should be terrifying to you. It should be absolutely terrifying to you. 
that Webster's Dictionary came in. And just because Maisie Hirono said it during a confirmation hearing, it's like, oh, no, no, we're going to go ahead and change that because morons are going to wake up the next day and hear all this hubbub about the fact that Amy Coney Barrett said sexual preference and they're going to go look it up and they're going to be like, oh my gosh, I guess it is offensive. I'm Man, I'm so glad I didn't tweet anything about it because I'd look like a fool. But the other part of this faux outrage is that they're ignoring the fact that Joe Biden this year and Ruth Bader Ginsburg in recent years and basically everyone on the planet has used the phrase sexual preference before. Even a lot of these LGBT activists and and these blogs and these channels, this year they've had commentaries and documents and news stories and videos that they put out using the phraseology sexual preference. So they tried to manufacture this outrage. It worked on a few idiots, but it didn't work overall. And then the last thing they really just kind of went for is that, well, we just don't like her. She seems like a supremely likable person, but we just don't like her. Um, The Senate Democrats, uh, the ones that were on the Senate Judiciary Committee, they actually decided to boycott the committee vote, which was last Thursday. And that was the committee vote where she was basically passed through 12 to nothing to go to the Senate for for an actual confirmation vote. Now, I thought that uh, Texas Representative Dan Crenshaw had the best tweet about this. He actually said this, quote, we can't vote for her because our radical base will get mad. We can't vote against her because she's immensely qualified and Americans actually like her. So we will just be dramatic juveniles and not show up. That's Senate Demons for you, Senate Democrats for you. So um, the thing about it is, is they didn't like her because she was nominated by Trump. They didn't like her because she wasn't Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She wasn't that type of woman. She was a different type of woman. She's very traditional in a lot of ways. I think at one point she even admitted that she does the laundry when she's at home, which is insane, right? Because, you know, she's supposed to be, you know, all woman, hear me roar, that type of thing, because she's a very powerful woman. But no, she's a very traditional woman. She seems to love her family. She seems to love her husband. And we just can't be down for that. But as we transition here and as we wrap up this episode, I want to kind of go into why the confirmation of ACB is a big deal. There's a lot of reasons why this confirmation of the ninth Supreme Court justice to basically make it a full uh, Supreme Court at this moment is a big deal. The first reason it's a big deal is it's the third nominee of Donald Trump to make it on the Supreme Court. And I think conservatives may only end up liking one of his three nominations. And I think it's going to be Amy Coney Barrett. Now, I have high hopes for Gorsuch. I think he's done some things even in this recent term that uh, I've agreed with, but he's gone really off the rails on some things even recently. And guys, I just got to be honest with you. I think a lot of Republicans are very, very concerned about Justice Roberts as we continue to go on. Um, And for good reason, I think Kavanaugh is going to be very similar to that. I think uh, Brett Kavanaugh is going to be very similar to Roberts, not very similar to Scalia or to Thomas or any of those other people that we look at as bastions of conservatism, those types of things. So the fact that Donald Trump got three shots at this, I think he took a good shot with Gorsuch. I think he took a great shot with Amy Coney Barrett, but I don't think he took a great shot for uh, with Justice Kavanaugh and has nothing to do with all of the circus that went on during his confirmation hearings. The next reason why this confirmation of ACB is a big deal is it's the third nomination of Trump and not the third nomination of Hillary Clinton. Now, the most hilarious justice of all of this is today, as I'm recording this, this is Hillary Clinton's birthday, right? She's supposed to be serving her fourth year as president of the United States. She should have gotten three picks for the United States Supreme Court, but nope, Donald Trump did. But guys, on a serious note, can you imagine if Hillary Clinton had got three nominations? there would be a super majority of liberal justices on the Supreme Court. Now, I remember I gave a lot of people crap for holding their nose and voting for Donald Trump back in 2016 because of the Supreme Court and how important it was. And now looking back, 
those people were right, not about things across the board, but they were certainly right about that. Because if he got in there, or if Hillary Clinton got in there and replaced these justices with liberal justices, these were not going to be people that were centrist. These were going to be people on the way far left. She wasn't going to miss shoot with someone like Kavanaugh, in my opinion. She was going to get three hard left justices. It was going to be another Sotomayor, another Kagan. It was going to be someone like that, another Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right? So I think it's incredible that we got three nominees from Trump. Say what you say about him, all the things you don't like about him. We got three justices from him. That's a good thing. The next thing that is a big deal about this confirmation is ACB will likely stand upon the platform created by Antonin Scalia. Okay. So a lot was made about the fact that she actually clerked for Antonin Scalia. Um, She actually said this before. She says, if I am confirmed, you would not be getting Justice Scalia. You would be getting Justice Barrett. But at the same time, she also said, you know, in reference to Justice Scalia, that his judicial philosophy is mine too. The thing about it is, is I think she will create her own. She's not going to just be a a mini me of Justice Scalia. She will create her own pathway for a lot of folks. She's going to create her own ideals in her own career. But the fact that she does align so closely with Antonin Scalia should make people that are textualists very, very excited, which goes right into the next reason why this is a big deal is that textualism, originalism, constitutional conservatism is preserved on the Supreme Court of the United States for now, right? Again, we were a couple hundred thousand votes in some very key states from Hillary Clinton getting these three picks. And then it was going to take potentially a generation to flip the Supreme Court back to a conservative leaning, if ever, right? If if ever. We already have a lot of Democrats talking about if Joe Biden's elected and if Democrats take over the Senate, that they're going to stack the Supreme Court. They're going to add four more seats. They're going to add, you know, Guam and in Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. as states and then add six senators, at least four senators with D.C. and with Puerto Rico. There's a lot of things in the offing that are that's really terrifying that a lot of people are threatening. But can you imagine what that would have been like if the executive and the legislative bodies match the judicial? Like that would be pretty terrifying, especially considering what some of those people are saying right now. Right. And then. Another reason here, and I I guess this is the last reason we'll go over and then let you guys get out of here, is now you can at least see a pathway to overturning Roe v. Wade. A pathway. Now, again, I don't think this gets it done. I talked about this back in episode 155 when I talked about the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But as of right now, the conservative justices, I'm using quotes here, are Roberts, Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. Right. Roberts, Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett. The liberal justices are Breyer, Sotomayor and Kagan. Okay, the people that won't vote to overturn Roe v. Wade are obviously Breyer, Sotomayor and Kagan, all three of the liberal justices, but also Roberts, Kavanaugh and Alito. I see nothing that would make me believe that those three, quote unquote, conservative justices would vote to overturn Roe. So that's six of the nine. You don't have the majority there. The people who would likely overturn Roe v. Wade. I think Thomas, obviously, Barrett, obviously, and maybe Gorsuch. So it's six to three. It's, you know, it, it doesn't pass. But the next president of the United States, right, whether it's Biden uh, slash Harris or Trump, it, they might get three picks because Breyer, who is a liberal justice, is 82 years old. Thomas, who's a conservative justice, is 72. And Alito is a conservative justice who is 70. Right. So the next president might get between one and three picks. Right. Let's say Trump wins the election and gets all three of those. That would mean you would have Barrett, 
the other three justices, and maybe Gorsuch as the swing vote for Roe v. Wade, for overturning Roe v. Wade. You will never get Sotomayor, you will never get Kagan, and in my opinion, you will never get Roberts. Every time there's a 4-4 a decision, Roberts is siding with the liberals seemingly on these large issues, right? These, these seminal issues. So I can at least see a pathway to it, right? And if that's your reason to vote for Trump in 2020, I, I guess go for it. But for me, she is a staunch advocate for the pro-life cause, right? And she's using the text of the Constitution because, again, there's no guarantee of the right to an abortion in the United States Constitution. That is why even liberal people that understand law and understand jurisprudence understand that Roe v. Wade is one of the worst decided cases in the history of the Supreme Court. And there are some bad ones, but that one is one of the worst, right? Just from a strictly judicial point of view, not a conservative or liberal point of view, just strictly judicial point of view. There is nothing in the language of the Constitution that says you should be able to kill the baby inside of you because of some inconvenience in your life or some perceived inconvenience. So that's why it's a big deal. So there's a lot of reasons why that's a big deal. Again, just to sum all this up, I'm super excited that Amy Coney Barrett is now on Supreme Court. And guys, this news cycle, which should be an enormous news cycle with a new Supreme Court justice, it's going to disappear almost immediately, right? It's going to be a blip on the radar on this Monday night. And by tomorrow, Trump will have tweeted something. Biden will have spilled something on himself and forgotten where he was. And then we'll be right back to where we are now, which is basically holding our breath for another seven days until November 3rd. And so here we go. Guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know, by now, we are a men's ministry and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. Specifically, we do that by providing you content that helps you forge spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So for today, I've got an article for you called The Six Top Moments from the Second Day of the Amy Coney Barrett Confirmation Hearings. So the first day was just kind of introductory. It was pretty basic. But the second day... She eviscerated some people with her questions. That's when she had her mic drop moment of holding up the empty notepad. Uh, I really want you to check out those videos because each one of these six top moments has a video accompanying it. It'll be definitely exciting for you to check that out. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, guys. We really do appreciate it. If you would, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher, and refer your friends to listen and share this on social media. Guys, if we deserve a five-star review, please leave us one and let us know why you like the content. I'm currently booking speaking engagements for the remainder of 2020 and the beginning of 2021. So if you want to come speak on your podcast, at your men's event, at your team, whatever, hit me up, info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. The website is www.undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at undauntedlife or facebook.com backslash undauntedlife. Check out our free devotionals on the Uversion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro-outro track on this podcast is our song Defender, which is off their latest record entitled Guardians. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep cultivating manly resilience, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. Right,